Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. The one and only V, the Gorilla Economist, coming to you live on this edition of Hanging with Harley. And Harley Schlanger is a man who needs no introduction. You can find him over at the LaRoucheOrganization.com, LaRoucheOrganization.com, as well as the SchillerInstitute.com as well. And uh, the, 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 I mean, it is the epicenter of the multipolar world, a lot of the real geopolitical, geostrategic uh, developments. Harley is the man at keeping your breast of uh, with all of that and with that being said harley what's going on buddy how's it going well i've got some very very interesting news for you from the saint petersburg international economic forum Ooh, you mean the who's who of uh people who are actually productive you mean the room full of adults what yeah. do they, they say harley well they had a panel yesterday the title was the risks sanctions pose to the global financial system and international business and what they said is the dollar is being transformed into a weapon yep. through the intensity and indiscriminate nature with which sanctions are deployed. Uh, and that they say that this is now a tool that's used all too often. So the deputy finance minister of Russia, whose name is Kolyachov, uh, was asked a question. Well, what do you think about the policy? Why do you say the sanctions policy is causing such a problem? And he said... Sanctions, the way they're being done, is, are criminal. And this is a quote. A new global financial system is coming into being. It won't come overnight, but it is inevitable. The sanctioned countries will do it. Now, that's the threat from Russia, that all the people pushing the, the anti-Russian policy have been afraid of all along. Uh, Russia has been dumping dollars. They're be, they've been getting rid of their dollar reserves. They're down to only 20% of their reserves are in dollars. I mean, the other day, their sovereign wealth fund just dumped $186 billion with a B. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. That's Massive. A few pennies. <laughs> and they also uh, have very little debt. So despite the fact that they're still not as big an economy as you might think. Well, here's the funny part, Harley. Let's, let's dissect that for a second, right? A lot of people, especially using uh, Western Freakonomics, which the numbers don't make sense, where government expenditure is calculated as GDP growth, people are like, oh, look at that. Russia's got the economy the size of Texas, maybe New York. What they don't understand and what most Americans don't get is that you know GDP measurement is so grossly, grossly, abhorrently inaccurate, number one. And number two, the closest thing that we can utilize in the West to measure the Russian economy, which the the uh, purchasing power parity, the PPP, that gives us a better understanding of it. And when you utilize purchasing power parity, 
they're more closer to Germany in terms of economic size, maybe even perhaps a little bit bigger. I would venture to say they're actually way much bigger than Germany in the sense that Russia is the only country in the world that can develop, you know, apart from the United States, apart from China, right? They're the only other advanced country in the world that can develop an advanced uh, jet fighter from nose to tip of tail from scratch. Advanced engines from nose to tip of tail from scratch. Advanced submarines and warships and missile systems from nose to tip of tail from scratch. You can't do that in Germany or France or anywhere else, right? On top of that, you have a country that's launching satellites. You have a country that's active in space exploration. And they're in the process of building the next generation space station. And and then the Western media wants to lie to you and tell you that this is just a gas station disguised as a country and they have the GDP the size of New York. It's insane, Harley. Here's another thing, V, that they've increased their agricultural productivity enormously. Massive. And they're now farm, they're now a, a wheat exporter. Yep, yep, uh, a net exporter of wheat. The the important thing about the Russian economy is that they have been squeezing out the or forcing the oligarchs to either leave the country and they'll let them take some of their wealth with them, or to invest it in something physical. And this is what when you talk about GDP. You know, the GDP doesn't distinguish between a dollar invested in a whorehouse and a dollar invested in a steel mill. Correct. And and so the point is that one economy is building the future. The other economy is blowing up bubbles. And so the Russians are basically saying that the dollar is becoming worth less and less because of the hyperinflation. And the Russians say that they're not moving out of the dollar just because of that, but because the sanctions policy is forcing them to find alternative means of trade. And they're doing that with China. There were meetings going on with Japan. Uh, Putin has been keeping an open channel to some of the Arab countries. And you can see the panic going on in, from uh, Chatham House, the Center of British Intelligence, which is warning. Yeah. But what Chatham House is warning about is that Germany is being seduced by the East. And what they mean by that is that Germany doesn't trust the Western partners anymore. And if they want to get physical production, if they want to get trade, they look to Russia, they look to China. And this is causing panic in the European Union. Now, that's why they're going crazy against Belarus and Lukashenko. Um, and you know, this so-called plane hijacking is kind of interesting on two counts. One is you remember when the plane with uh, Evo Morales, the Bolivian president, yep. was to land in Austria. Did anyone get, because I thought Snowden was on board. Did yeah. anyone get hit with sanctions for that? Did no. France or Austria get denounced by the international rules-based order? No. no, they were applauded, actually. Yeah. Now, on the other, on the other hand, who is this guy Protasevich that was on the plane from uh, Greece to Lithuania, who's now a, in a useful State Department dupe? That's State who he is. State Department and Azov Battalion veteran. Oh yes, yes, that's right, Azov Battalion veteran. Yes, another so another a, member of the Nazi Party. He's a Nazi. Yep. And he's one of the leaders 
with money from the Agency for International Development. And by the way, you know who heads that now, don't you? That's Samantha Power. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they gave his, uh, his uh, website uh, a big grant to get it started. So, you know, when you look at this, you, you see that there are a lot of things that are upside down. I, I just wrote an article today, I, I think I sent it to you, that goes through all the sanctions that we've imposed. And, you know, here's the irony. You get Blinken going around the world talking about free societies and open communication as opposed to controlled media and anti-democratic activity. Look what just happened in the United States with the election, with the censorship, and the, the once again it resurfaced, the story of the NSA and Danish intelligence tapping Angela Merkel's phone. And what's most interesting about this story is that it was first exposed in 2013, then again in 2015. And as far as we know, they're still doing this. And so the most recent exposure was two whistleblowers from Danish intelligence who went to Le Monde and went to press all around the world to say, look, stop this. This has to stop. And and, so, and, it, and it doesn't. It's, it's always do, do you, you know, it's funny. You got guys like Blinken. You got Newland. You got all these morons running around and they espouse openness and transparency and 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 rules based order. <laughs> and all it is is just, you know, the world's caught on that all these meandering mealy mouthed idiots are saying are just mouthing platitudes that have no value whatsoever. It's just innuendos. It's innuendos for Give us more control. We want more domination over your life. We want more power in the world. We, we, we won't let you do what you want to do. We're going to butt in. And I'm thankful, Harley, that the, not only the world's taking uh, a notice to this, thanks to what, what, what the multipolar world's doing with, with China and Russia, but in the last week alone, uh, Harley, I, I, I would love for you to comment on this, but in the last, yeah, I'd say, two weeks, while you were – well, we couldn't link up for a show. A couple of incredible developments happened. Number one, you had Victoria Newland and uh, and and Tony Blinken coming out to uh, Zelensky and saying, "Hey, you know what? That whole Russian war thing. Yeah, we don't want you to do that. <laughs> and now that do you, do you, we do we don't want you to do that uh, in terms of NATO membership. Yeah, that's not going to happen either. All of a sudden, that's off the table, right? The second thing that that has occurred is the sanctions for Nord Stream. <laughs> that that suddenly stopped. And well, the third thing that happened is that the U.S. has stopped pumping oil from Syria. Yeah, the, three the, the, major the things. Oil thing is really critical. The the Nord Stream two thing is still somewhat. There are sanctions. The only thing they did is lift sanctions on the company that is in charge of the uh, pipeline and the CEO. But you know, then you have this idiot Menendez come out and say. Biden has to go back and restore those sanctions. This is the bipartisan consensus of the Congress. So what, what's clear is that the political elite, so to speak, in the United States are completely out of touch with reality. Now, they're not totally out of touch with reality. They know this is going on, and they're somewhat powerless to stop it. The buildup toward the summit We've seen four or five instances, actually it's six instances since uh, Biden became president, where there have been new sanctions, every single one of them on unsupportable grounds. 
you know, the latest, now they're saying this uh, Brazilian meatpacking plant that was hit by malware, uh, that, that, that Putin had to know about that. Of course, it was the Russians. And they put out a statement that said something like, uh, I, I can't find it here. It was, it was quite an amazing statement. Um, that good nations don't do things like that. <laughs> oh, what, what a statement. Yeah. <laughs> so, are incredible. You know, the, but the thing on Syria is extremely interesting because, as you know, we've been doing a lot of work on that. We had the media advisor to President Assad spoke at our last conference. Uh, we had uh, Colonel Richard Black, the former head of the criminal law division of the U.S. Army at the Pentagon, mm. not only speak out against the sanctions, but as a wounded veteran of the Vietnam War, he said he is, is disgusted by what the U.S. is doing to Syria uh, with so-called humanitarian sanctions that are threatening the lives of millions of children. And so we've had a, a very intense mobilization internationally on this. And then out of nowhere, Biden uh, has the order allowing the, one of these major companies to pump oil uh, cut off so they can't keep the oil going. So, you know, I think there are some signals they're trying to send to Russia, but it's kind of interesting that they do these backroom things and then out front, they keep talking about the malign influence of Russia. Oh yeah. They're bullying. Uh, the, the Ukraine thing is also very interesting because Blinken had to somewhat change his line with Zelensky because previously he was saying that the uh, U.S. would be fully supportive. More interesting is the fact that Newland had to basically sit there with a sock in her mouth. <laughs> Shakasvelli, who was reinvited back to live in the Ukraine, Shakasvelli should have lent her one of his ties, Harley. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's, it's a very interesting situation, extremely dangerous. Uh, because they're still playing the, these games. And, um, you know, here, just here's a statement from the chairman, the CEO of Rostec, which is one of the tech conglomerates in Russia. And he was asked, well, but aren't, don't you prefer sanctions to war? And he said, what are you talking about? Sanctions can't be called soft. These sanctions, in fact, are war. It is. It's, 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 it's modern be, siege warfare. Yeah, he said, and we must, of course, be prepared for war. Harley, shifting gears real quick, the situation uh, on the in, in, on the ground, which is, my God, I, I, with every day that falls off the calendar, you can you can sense the paradigm shift. It's extremely palpable, and what I'm referring to is the whole Israeli-Palestine thing, where just like in 2006, Operation Cast Lead was initially vaunted as some sort of a great victory in Israel. Turned out to be a, <laughs> as the chips fell, it turned out to be a colossal embarrassment and defeat where a thousand Hezbollah fighters held off some of the most elite Israeli um, uh, soldiers and as well as brigades. And it looks like the Palestinians have really bloodied the nose here to the point where this victorious Israel is asking the U.S. for a billion dollars. And can you? Just comment on that with the backdrop of what is happening with Iran and how the Iranians have helped, where the Palestinians say, hey, look, the Iranians have been very helpful with us. Um, this is a victory that we did on our own. 
and I, I bring this up as a as as the, as I always see Israel as a little attack dog for the U.S. Right, and I'm seeing this whole entire thing shift. Then Netanyahu was on his way out. Yep. I mean, these are massive changes that are happening, Harley. Paradigm altering changes. Would you like to comment? Yeah, the the situation in Israel is, is very interesting because the what the Palestinians have figured out is that militarily they're no match for Israel. Yep. But as a as a small potential nation being attacked by a Goliath, you know, the the tradition of modern Jewry is to say we're the victims, we're the victims. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to play the victim's role when you're destroying uh, a, an area, a, a small area, the Gaza, with virtually no infrastructure. Zero. Coming housing. Um, you know, the, it's the brute force. So for Israel to appear in the world as Goliath is not only uh, forcing them to, to rethink, but it, it's actually convincing a lot of Israeli uh, Jews, is this what we want to do? Exactly. And this brings us back to what Rabin understood when he went from being the suppressor of the Intifada in 1988-89 to being Arafat's partner at Oslo. He basically said, we can win this war, but what do we win? We win permanent war. And he said, we don't want to turn the Israeli people into something like the Nazi Gauleiters who ran the Warsaw Ghetto. Yep. And Rabin made some really strong statements in the build-up to the Oslo Accord. And then he went to meet with Clinton and Arafat. And when he was chided by Netanyahu, why are you making peace with your enemies? And Rabin said, hey, idiot, you don't need to make peace with your friends. You make peace with your enemies. And he talked about the courage to change axioms. Yeah. Now, this is what, when you talk about a change in paradigm, this is what one of the most important lessons I learned from Lyndon LaRouche. When things look the darkest, you actually have the potential for people to almost overnight make a realization or re reach a realization that we're going in the wrong direction and we're destroying ourselves. And at that point, the question is, do people have the courage to change what they believe is true? And I, when you talk about a change in paradigm, that's what's happening. The fact that Netanyahu is out, probably out, he's going to keep fighting. He's going to do whatever he can to sabotage it. And I wouldn't be too shocked if some of his extremist settlers carry out an attack on the Al-Aqsa Mosque or something like that. But if anything like that lunatics, happens, they have they have no idea what they're doing. No, they have no idea that the that the that the 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 uh, sovereign welfare teat that they've been suckling for the last several decades is about to run dry, Harley. Well, and they also, I think, are beginning to. Uh, they're probably not figuring it out, but maybe they will figure out that there's a whole section of the Israeli population that doesn't want to support them doesn't want to support Orthodox Jews with 10 kids uh, moving into settlements and kicking out the Palestinians. You know, it's, a, it's not what you would call a viable option yeah. for most Israelis. And what it shows is the extreme nature, the, the real hatred that underlies the base of Netanyahu, the, the greater Israel fanatics. So 
that's a that's a big change. Now the question then is what happens with Iran, what happens with Saudi Arabia, uh, but that whole region is undergoing change. The Egyptians are playing a leading role, and don't underestimate the back channel activity of Russia and China. The Russians demonstrated with their support for Assad that they will go in and take on the American proxies. And the American proxies in Syria were ISIS and Al Qaeda. And the Russians actually succeeded because they coordinated to some extent with elements of the US military. Now the Chinese are talking about oil for technology deals with Iran, with Iraq, and the uh, one of the vice premiers of China was just in Syria to meet with uh, Syrian finance officials. How do you solve a problem like Syria? You have to reconstruct. Who's going to do that? Well, the Europeans should certainly kick in some money. The US should, should participate, but the Chinese are on the ground now, and they're doing various uh, kinds of pre-planning for what would be needed and what's really needed in that region, there are three things LaRouche has always emphasized. You need modern transportation, you need water management, including desalination, and to do desalination, you need nuclear power. Now, with the world going green, that's not gonna happen. So I think sometime in the very near future, someone's going to discover that the cause of the changes in the weather in, in the recent years has nothing to do with factories and, and automobiles and has everything to do with the oscillation of solar radiation and, and so on. So hopefully we can overturn the axioms of the Green New Deal and uh, the idea that the world has too many people. Uh, in fact, we need more people. We got a lot of work to do on this planet. Yep, absolutely, very well said. Last but not least, I don't know if you've know you've heard this, Harley, but the wonderful patron saint of the World Health Organization, the patron saint of the NIH, the patron saint of the CDC, the patron saint of the pandemic himself, Anthony Fauci, has been exposed as the lying, fraudulent, sycophant bureaucrat that he is. Your comments, sir. Well, I, I can't add to what you just said. <laughs> you know, the, the, the one thing I will say on this, and this is not a defense of Fauci, because he was regularly contradicting himself, depending on who he was talking to. <laughs> but we still don't know. We still don't have the scientific background yet or, or um, explanation to know whether this was a natural or a man-made caused event. And what I find very interesting is the people who are out front with the line that, that China was lying and China's responsible for this. One of them was a reporter who wrote the Wall Street Journal story. Uh, Gordon was his name. I don't know if you know this, but in 2002, yeah. he wrote the original article with Judith Miller in the New York Times uh, proving that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. Wasn't he the same character that also contributed to the whole entire um, China and the and and the Uyghur <laughs> the Uyghur genocide? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same it's the guy. Same moron, right? Yeah, and then there's another guy. Ford. <laughs> what a hatchet, man! He's not even good. <laughs> this guy Ford, who is Pompeo's guy on China, 
Oh God! Used to be with the Center for the New for New American uh, Security, which is Victoria Newland and Robert Kagan's organization. He's a New. Well, let me ask you this, Harley: How do people with humanities degrees and law degrees all of a sudden become military strategic experts and they have think tanks for military affairs? It's 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 laughable, man. This, this it's guy laughable. David Ford. David Ford has a PhD in international relations from Oxford. Ooh. Oh my God! That's it. So that's that's, that's his credentials. But these are the two people cited by Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson. Now, Carlson's usually more savvy on this, but I think he just wants to go after Fauci. Yep. But Hannity's a, just a bully, a bit of an idiot on these things. Yeah, Hannity's a, what's the word? He, he, he's not sophisticated, man. I mean, <laughs> these guys, they need to stick to some of their domestic issues of conservative versus uh uh, liberal left that whole you know beat that paradigm to a pulp but in terms of when they as soon as they dip their toe in the, in, in the geopolitical you could see how how much of a neophyte a bunch of like kid level rookies these guys are well where do they get their talking points from they get from, the, from, from from other neophytes who happen to run think tanks and get tens of millions of dollars for their expertise Harley, i'm in the wrong business man and the intelligence community yeah so <laughs> a euphemism right there intelligence and community <laughs> yeah. But what, what's interesting about that is that even within the intelligence community, <clears throat> there's significant disagreement because I think there are some people there who are saying, if we go out on a limb again and we're wrong, we're finished. Yep. So there's a, you know, what, what I'm saying on that is that this whole narrative about around Fauci is being applied to uh, say that China is, was, uh, either deliberately created this and unleashed it or yeah. unleashed it and, and wouldn't tell anyone. Holly, on yesterday's show, I annihilated that entire argument. And one of the things, and folks, uh, yesterday's show, it was it was not available, but it's back up on our, CJ, it's back up on our site, right? CJ? It is, yes. Uh-huh. Awesome. All right. So yeah, for, for, for folks that are looking for it, go check out yesterday's show. It's on roguenews.com. But Holly, really quick, with that Wuhan lab, what people don't realize, guess who owned it? Because, you know, the, 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 the trumpeting here is it's Chinese virus. China owned the lab, right? That's what they're saying. So yeah. Glasgow Smith-Klein owned the lab. Good. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's obvious. And the story that the Chinese were exporting the flu around the world <laughs> came from a guy named Neil Ferguson. It's, it's spelled N-I-A-L-L. Yeah, that, that, that clown who said that uh, 20 million Britons were going to die. <laughs> Well, he's, he's a so-called historian who's moved to the United States, but he put out a story that said that the Chinese kept sending international flights out of Wuhan uh, when they already knew what they were dealing with. And a professor in, in, uh, somewhere in California actually checked the logs of the airlines and found out that every single plane out of Wuhan was grounded by January 23rd. Exactly. So Ferguson's lie, which said until the middle of February, they were still exporting people with, with coronavirus, that got to Trump through Pompeo. And yep. so, yeah. And, and Trump keeps Pompeo on and keeps his boy Fauci on. Yeah, so, I mean, the one thing I think Trump... Well, I, we'd have to take another longer time. to get. That, that's a whole other show where we could talk about the discernment of Trump. And, you know, people are talking about the next election. They still haven't fixed the issues with the current election and the election process they have in this country. And people are like, well, if these election issues are, are, are fixed, he should run again. I was like, yeah, I don't think so. I kind of like Ron DeSantis here. He, he, 
He talks less and does more, it seems like, as, as our fellow uh, cohort Gus Demas would say. Well, I, I just heard something that I found so amusing yesterday. Hmm. It was hard to believe. I don't know if you know who this guy Simon Parks is. Yeah, yes, yes, one yes. Guy, he's one of those guys who lives in his mom's basement who said his mother was a, a 10-foot alien and he had, he had no, sex with her lover, or something. His lover is a Oh, his lover. But anyway, he said that Hillary Clinton has been executed because she refused a plea bargain. The military is conducting tribunals inside the White House, and they're giving all the deep state people until June 1st to confess. Uh, and if they don't confess, they're... Uh, testimony and their tribunals will be put live on on the media well, well he said that on may 30th we passed june 1st i haven't seen it yet no i haven't seen and you know august also harley uh for the for the, know, that's the or other that's the new one. yeah yeah trump's but coming you know, back I, to power. the point is these are very troubling times and there's a lot of psychological warfare being conducted and a lot of lying and and uh confusion being spread and people should really take advantage of the fact that you are a rogue news show and not subject to that kind of disinformation and psychological warfare and, and listen yep. to what's going on here. We're the, one of the last few bastions left. I think it's us, the Duran, and uh, I think that's pretty much it. That covers on YouTube all the geopolitical, geostrategic, geoeconomic, uh, covers all the angles. I think there's nobody else left. Everybody else is like uh, far out there woo woo conspiracies and uh and whatnot and there's there's no real grounding uh to it but we're, we're the last men we're like one of the last men standing harley but anyway v i, I thought it was important that we get out this story on the saint petersburg huge economy. huge is the russians are, are now openly saying don't count on us to go down with your dollar nope and and nobody is it, it, it and it's nobody's at these bond auctions anymore i mean i talked to a uh, you know, co colleagues and cohorts of mine who are bond traders that, uh, you know, they were out there, um, you know, I mean, over a year ago, they're like, hey, V, there's really nobody buying this stuff. It's yeah. just the Fed. The Fed is buying its uh, <laughs> and we're buying our own bonds. <laughs> the, the, the savvy investors at the Fed. Yeah. Uh, do, you yeah. Remember, hey, v, do you remember the line that was out there that the, Fed, the uh, Treasury has taken over the Fed and nationalized it? Oh, yeah. I remember that nonsense. I wonder what happened to that story. Yeah. Whatever happened to that? Oh, wait, the, you know, the uh, trust the plan people uh, talked about that. They also <laughs> talked about the uh, the uh, uh, the election. Everything will be OK. Don't worry about it. You know, stand down. Everything is fine. Uh -huh. I think they're saying Don Jr. is actually running the Fed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don Jr. is because he's a great mathematician. Don Jr. who cannot differentiate between uh, the. Uh, the 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 man, Tranny, who's the 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 former health. Uh, department head over in Pennsylvania, uh, Dr. Richard Levine, a.k.a. Rachel Levine, and um, Bruce Jenner, a.k.a. Caitlyn Jenner. And he's saying that the conservatives... I mean, this this is where we're at, man. I'm, I, I'm, I'm done living in a land of morons and idiots. I can't. I can't. And I let's, urge everybody to plan your exit strategies. <laughs> let's, v, let's change that because this is probably the best place to be if we get the thing done right. If not... If not, it's going to be the worst place to be. <laughs> I'm hoping for the best, man, but I'm planning for the worst. Harley, that's not very reassuring. <laughs> well, no, I, as you know, what I've been saying for quite a while is that the Great Reset and the Green New Deal are not going to work. The question is, can we get something that will work? And that's why 
We're waging a fight once again to get Glass-Steagall on the agenda, to get a Hamiltonian credit system to, to really take over the Fed and turn it into a credit generating or probably just shut it down and, and set up a national bank yeah. to make loans for real physical production. That could be done. All of this could be done easily if we didn't have a mass media and a bunch of corrupt and brainwashed people in the Congress. But that's up to us to do everything we can to get rid of them. So you can be pessimistic and, and shrug your shoulders and give up, or you can roll up your sleeves and get to work. And I choose to do the latter. Very well said. And with that being said, folks, we're at the end of the show. Harley, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this information with us. It's always a pleasure. And, folks, again, you can find him over at LaRoucheOrganization.com as well as SchillerInstitute.com. And with that being said, CJ, take it away. <laughs>